Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener. You'll have ad-free episodes and join us on our monthly Zoom calls with other podcast listeners and get to know the community at wearelatech.love. Linked in the show notes. It's finding things that look good on Amazon and then trying to just source it. That's pretty much the whole business. And then it's just trying to scale it at a faster rate. I'm Alex Bloomberg, host of the podcast Startup, and you're listening to We Are LA Tech. My name is Esprit Devora, born and raised L.A., and I created We Are L.A. Tech in 2012 to unify the community. Podcast launched in 2014, continuing to help people find the best talent, to connect with each other, to form awesome relationships. So proud of this show. Enjoy. Welcome back to the We Are LA Tech podcast. So this episode is actually going to be a little bit different. Um, you probably heard the episode where our editor, Corey, is interviewing me. I thought it'd be fun to ask him a few questions because there's some things about Corey that really inspire me. And he was open enough to let me ask. He knows that I super geek out. So for those of you who aren't familiar with me, my name is Esprit Devora. I have been podcasting for about 10 years, and I'm very proud of both of our shows, Women in Tech and We Are LA Tech, and I'm very lucky that I get to work with Corey. He is our editor, but not only is he our editor, he is also an entrepreneur himself, and he has an Amazon business that blows me away, and I am super inspired by it. And I have all these questions about his setup and how he chooses how to build himself. So if you're curious about just the journey of becoming an entrepreneur, then this is an episode you want to tune into. So Corey, hi. Hey. (laughs) So, okay. I want to ask you, let's start with if, and of course, whatever you're comfortable with, can you give us context to where your Amazon business is at today. Like, I don't know what metrics you gauge it by. Is it site visitors? Is it purchasers? Is it product inventory? Some sort of like, give us context of like where it's at today. Yeah, for sure. So I started my Amazon business about two, two and a half years ago. The calendar year for 2022, I think I did like, $350,000 in sales. Hopefully this year, the end of 2023, the goal was a million for just revenue, but I'll probably be closer to like seven to 800K revenue for uh, 2023. That's so freaking cool, dude. That's so cool. Yeah, (laughs) that's where we're at. I'm a little uh, short of the goal where I wanted to be, but the end of the year, like Q4 and stuff is definitely the craziest time. Because like holiday sales. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's buying stuff online. But right now, um, I'm at 354K for the year. So. And just to be clear, that's overall gross sales, not net profit. And you don't have to share a net profit. But just to be clear for the listeners, that's gross sales of everybody that's bought product. And and what what year did you kick that off again? 
Like how many years ago? Yeah, it was about two years ago. It was in the summer of COVID. So it was 2021. Was it shortly after we started working together? Yes, we were already working together, I think, for a few months. And I started this probably in October of that year. So maybe it was probably like two and a half years ago, somewhere in there. So up until that point, you had been primarily an audio editor, a freelance audio editor, right? Yep. And how did you discover an Amazon business? Like, what was your thought process? Or did you think, I want to be an entrepreneur? Like, what Like what was that initial thought before you even chose Amazon business? And then why an Amazon business? There's a backstory to it. I don't want to go too far into it, but I mean, long story short, I played in this uh, band and was like super into music, decided I was going to college for a music degree, which happened to be music technology and audio engineering and all of that. And then COVID hit. And that's kind of when it just kind of sank into my brain that having this audio degree, something that I loved at the time and still still love, it just wasn't that safe, like kind of in a job market Mm -hmm. where, yeah, we're going to have all these in-person events or, you know, studio work, like studios are drying up with the way things streaming and, you know, my setup here, like people can record pretty well at home. So now, you know, that's a large like demographic of people that aren't going to a studio and then live events aren't happening because of, you know, health reasons. And I could just see the the writing on the wall just being like, yeah, I could be out of work for like months at a time. So totally. I start doing some editing and trying to get into podcasts where I'm like, all right, if I'm at home, then I can get into that. I was just trying to build like clients and anyone that's been in freelance knows how that can be difficult to get long-term clients or try to get the pay that you would want to just sustain your life, you know, living on that. And at the time I started kind of getting into flipping and reselling things, whether it's just going to like the thrift store or equipment that I used a few years ago listing on eBay. And that's so cool. I'm such a dork. (laughs) I love this stuff. Keep going. (laughs) I I started getting into um, really like flipping some stuff. And I remember my dad, I was living at my parents' house at the time. I was going through, he had thousands of baseball cards in the basement. Um, you know, like in the like 1960s baseball cards with some really big players. And if you would have kept that stuff in good condition, I was going through it and I'm looking this stuff up on eBay. Like it's sold and like, man, that's a, that's a $50,000 card that's sitting right there, but it's Stop. not, yeah, it's, it's just not in good condition. Like oh. putting it in the sleeves or, um, you know, letting it sit in the basement where it's just not like temperature controlled. They're not in like a, a hardcover case or anything like that. And he, he had some other stuff like, you know, like a Pez. And I remember looking this up and I was like, okay, this is like a, a one-off Pez that they handed out at like one convention in New York city one year for, you know, a conference. And we listed it on Facebook and like, you know, one of these, you know, Pez group for whatever, which is the most random thing. But I started realizing like there's a niche for everything. And we listed this thing, sold it for like a hundred dollars to this one guy, like one, one what? Pez thing. That's when it hit me. I'm like, all right, there's there's definitely some money to be made finding items and selling it online, whether they're like used or, you know, one off 
collectibles or sneakers or whatever. So that's when I started kind of like looking into more of shoes and clothes and not really like thrifting per se, but watching kind of resale trends, things that were hot. And probably the thing that I really would have called myself like a reseller at that point was during COVID, there was stuff that was going crazy, like hair, like hair clippers or, you know, people not being able to go to like the barber all of a sudden they were buying you know I hair, bought clippers, hair and, clippers yeah i totally all, <laughs> been cutting my own hair since covid that i was one of those yeah all of that and one of the things was um swimming pools and not being like a, a central product i was i was going like cr- i was going crazy on buying these swimming pools and um there was like a market for where i was living in pa at the time and people that were usually in like the sneaker market or like things like Supreme or kind of like that hype beast were looking at other things that were just had like a really high demand. I was going around buying these swimming pools to just sell it. It was crazy. They're like on Facebook or online or whatever. And that was pretty much the point where I knew I needed to kind of like grow out of just like selling locally and try to sell online and Amazon being like the biggest like marketplace in the world and continuing to grow, I was like, all right, I need to learn. I hit up some random guy actually on Facebook that also was like listing similar things to me in the area I was living at the time. And he was like, yeah, I'm a part of this uh, discord group that teaches how to sell on Amazon. And he was like, they're closed, but he got me in the the group kind of like backdoored me in. And he was one guy that I still keep in, in touch with. And through that, I kind of like learned the ropes. And since since at that point, it's just been trying to, you know, grow it and scale it. But it really just came out of like interest in, you know, selling things and making money off of it. Before we go further, I just want to back up for a second because like I have Barbie things that are still wrapped in their packaging. I am aware that Barbie movie is out. I'm aware that potentially... I could sell these things for money, but I don't know where or how, or do I just do it on my eBay? So like finding the Pez, first you need to figure out that it's worth something. So how do you even figure that out? And then how do you know where to sell it? Because it's you make it sound so simple, but I'm aware that the movie's really popular. I'm aware I should be selling it now. And I feel like I just don't know, am I supposed to take fancy pictures of this thing? do I just go to my own eBay account? Like, you know what I mean? I don't even know how to figure out how much this thing is worth. (laughs) If anything. Well, exactly. I mean, I never thought I was going to find a random Pez that, you know, my dad had that we deemed trash was worth a hundred dollars. But what that kind of tells you is, um, you know, the market kind of bears what it bears. So if somebody's willing to pay a hundred dollars for a Pez, then it's worth that. So now that we kind of have, things like eBay and Facebook and our cell phones, like wherever we go, you can kind of use those platforms to see like the market value for some of these items where you're saying like, okay, I have this uh, Barbie and it's in pretty good condition. And the, you know, cities are going crazy about this Barbie movie that's out. Maybe that would be a good time to look it up. Cause you know, that's kind of like the hot trending thing right now where somebody might buy it. So the easiest way to do it is probably go on eBay, try to find, you know, type in, whatever the model of the item is, like shoes or this Barbie specific model or a year, and then 
there's actually a section on eBay where you can go to um, sold. So instead of looking at listings that are live for purchasing, you can actually look at all the listings that have sold. And the goal of what you're trying to do is see, okay, in the last three days, there was a hundred of these that were bought at this price. So now you know kind of the market is this range for whatever that item is. Or I looked at this and it's June, but you know, last October it sold once. So maybe that's an item that was like the Pez if you find a right buyer and they buy it, that's great, but it might take a while to you know sell because it's not an in-demand product. That's it, Corey. After this podcast interview, I'm going to see how much my Barbie thing is worth. <laughs> Hopefully a lot. <laughs> okay, so now you get into this Discord. Do you have to, uh, that is for Amazon education. That was serendipitous through your local Facebook offers, finding random stuff, kind of getting into this trade business. Did you have to pay for the Discord? Yeah, I did need to pay. They're a pretty notable group um, in the Amazon community. I think it was at least like 75. How did you know that it was notable? Like how did you, if you had to pay, how did you know that you could trust it? Yeah, so I think it's one of those things. The first thing that I was thinking about, it was like, it's, so it's like a monthly subscription, right? So um, it's not like a, you know, $9,999 course being like 75 bucks. I was like, all right, I'm brand new to this. Like I'm willing to spend $75 to try to like learn the initial things I need to. If I don't like it, I'm out to 75 bucks, you know, in the 30 days and I just walk away from it. But I knew I was just going to try to make it work. I didn't really have the option at that point for myself to be like, it's not going to work. So I kind of dug around online and saw kind of what other groups were out there. And this one definitely had the most reputation through like Twitter followers or, you know, people leaving like reviews on the group. So, you know, I just went with it. So you get into the discord and as far as I know from, from our chats, you're still in the discord today. You still pay that membership fee now a couple of years later, right? As of now, I moved on from the group, um, but I was in there for probably a few months. It was definitely worth it, but I felt like I just wasn't spending the time in there that I originally was. Um, so I just kind of walked away from it, but definitely still you know, really valuable. In your process in growing your Amazon business, what resource has been of the highest value with a direct correlation to your success in sales? anyone that's running a big Amazon business, it's not a do it yourself thing. You're going to have to either employ other people to help you and legitimately build a team to run it or outsource certain things. And I think the biggest thing that has just been beneficial to me is finding other people that have been doing this, just having someone to even chat with or, you know, trade ideas off of bounce ideas off of network chat the lingo with all of that that that's probably been the biggest thing is if if you can get like a close niche group of people where you're sending them you know your stuff or like a lead or something like that like that has been like the biggest thing in in this whole thing really and it definitely helps when it's like you know not going as well or you're not hitting that goal it's like the thing that kind of keeps it going for you from going to the discord i'm sure they and correct me where I'm wrong. I'm sure they walked you through how to set up the Amazon store. Is that correct? 
So not only was it like a chat room, they kind of had like PDF course, like, okay, this is week one, two, this is where you should be at hitting these things. So you had like access to other sellers pursuing the the journey with you, whether they, you know, were extremely advanced or brand new, plus a course that was guiding you when you were first starting. But like, how'd you pick out your inventory and all that? That seems like really complicated to me. The business model of kind of what I'm doing right now is is something that's just called the online arbitrage. So I'm sourcing products online and wholesale. The Amazon business that I'm currently running isn't something that I'm doing really any like marketing or overseas manufacturing or anything like that. That's pretty much more of something that's called private label, which is something that I'd like to maybe start next year. So what I'm doing right now and what um, pretty much anyone could do if you're interested in starting this business is uh, you're taking products that already are, are out there and you're essentially just selling it on Amazon. So like with that Pez that I was talking about earlier, the, or these baseball cards, something is either going for a higher value on a marketplace and you can source it cheaper than that. So there's profitability in that or something has gained, you know, value over time, something like a baseball card from holding it for 20 years. And now the market value has gone up. So really what this is, is a Pez that I have now is selling higher on Amazon. And if I can source the Pez, you know, cheaper and sell it on Amazon, then it becomes profitable. So as of right now, I'm not manufacturing anything new. If it's not invasive, and it may be in, invasive in your type of business, so just tell me, can you give us an example of a type of product that you're selling? Like, is it something like headphones? Just so we could visualize it, what kind of thing? And are you doing just headphones? Or are you doing headphones and air conditioners? Or so, you know, I'm pretty wide on everything that I sell. So anything from like headphones to like home appliances to sneakers to something like toothpaste. It's like, I have a lot of different things that have been, you know, profitable, but things that seem like they've sold pretty well for a lot of new people that are starting is something that's as simple as like Nike. So it's usually bigger name brands that people were able to get at like a cheaper price. But for whatever reason, Amazon's marketplace is holding that uh, specific item at a higher price and that makes it profitable. Like, let's say you're a big shopper and you go to like your local outlet wherever you live and they usually have like Nike or Puma stores or uh, Under Armour or something. Maybe they have like a bunch of shoes that have been like discounted and they were $100, but now at that store, they're $50. But if you look it up on Amazon, they might be selling for $110. And now all of a sudden you have a bunch of inventory from that local store that could be now sold even slightly above the retail price of that product because you were able to source it cheaper. That's pretty much the business model, but I'm doing all this on my computer, not running around trying to find it you know, in person. And I guess you have access to a lot of different sellers, meaning people that have this inventory at a lower price and then that and you're scouting the ones that make sense, utilizing the research 
you're doing on Amazon to figure out what things are currently selling for? Am I understanding correctly? Yeah, pretty much. There's some tools on Amazon where you can kind of see how fast things are selling and how the price has been kind of fluctuating. So that kind of gives you an idea of like, okay, this product on Amazon has actually sold really well. The price has been steady in this range and this is how fast it's selling. And I can see kind of the amount of sellers that either come on and try to sell this product or, um, you know, go out of stock or decrease off the listing. So you can see all of that. And the, the goal is to really find things that look steady. And then the work kind of comes in, like you're saying, like trying to find it. So it might be going to like a wholesaler and seeing it, if you can like negotiate with them on price, or it could be as, you know, as simple as like Walmart has the new hottest Barbie doll in February after like Christmas time. And I see that every year, you know, things trend at a certain time. So you buy them then and then wait two months to sell them. And it's, there's a lot of tricks. A lot of it is, is trying to be creative with where you're finding stuff or how you're getting it for like us, us that cost. If it's not a wholesaler where you're buying a lot of inventory at a, at a cheaper price, right? It's finding things that look good on Amazon and then trying to just source it. That's pretty much the whole business. And then it's just trying to scale it at a faster rate. And the fulfillment house, if you buy something after Christmas, after the holidays, um, that you're not planning on selling until the summer, the fulfillment house holds on to it for you that whole time? The best thing about Amazon is that you can kind of scale it and you're using their warehouses. So going back to like that um, shoe example, if you went and bought all those shoes in the Nike store and you sent them into Amazon, Amazon would be shipping that inventory out to a buyer could be while you're asleep or while you're at work or whatever. So you don't have to fulfill like those orders. So until they sell, they'd be sitting in an Amazon warehouse. What kind of livelihood is realistic for someone who is proactive and consistent, maybe not like overly aggressive, but just proactive and consistent about building this kind of Amazon business? What would it take? Like how many hours a week and what kind of livelihood can someone um, starting out in year one or year two expect to make? Yeah, I think you can pick it up as kind of just like a side hustle, you know, focusing on this on the weekends or weeknights for an hour or two. It really is just something that you can do a full-time gig or just part-time or I know people that even do it seasonal for like Christmas or whatever. So it's as much or as little as you want to do. And that really just, you know, defines how much you could potentially make. But I know there's, there's definitely a lot of people that are brand new and they start doing like 10 or 15 or 20 K revenue, you know, in a month. And if you're able to sell things at 10 or 20%, it starts adding up pretty quick if you can, you know, be profitable consistently. So I think it really just depends, but you can be as aggressive or, you know, as relaxed as you, as you want to be with it. So you think, making around 2000 a month after like as a net profit after everything is reasonable for someone new to it i think some of it is again just how much how much you want to 
put into it and it's, it's definitely a skill and there's some costs for, you know, like things you need to do up front, but I think it's definitely realistic. And you know, I've been pushing you that I think you should teach people how you do your Amazon thing. You're like, I'm still in the phases learning myself, but I think you're, you being so close to that early on information is really valuable perspective for someone starting out. So in case you get over your self-limiting beliefs that <laughs> you should be t- teaching people. Where can people connect with you if they want to learn how to do Amazon too, if you decide to be open to it, which I think you should? Yeah, I think uh, this week I might have finally just said, got to move forward with that. I was kind of creating some like uh, local stuff I was going to put up flyer wise to see if I can get some traffic on that. But I can definitely chat with people uh maybe on my instagram it's just last name c underscore so jennings c underscore you can shoot me a dm on there or send me an email as well definitely could probably get you up and started with that if you're interested in learning more i know that you have space for one more client if anybody wants to work with you as an audio editor where should they reach out to you yeah, you can shoot me an email. It's Corey Jennings. Um, so the email is corey.jennings.engineer at gmail.com. Um, so yeah, you can reach out to me there. And we'll include it in the show notes as well. And just to be clear, he is not going to show you how to do Amazon for free. Even if he was about to offer you for free, I won't allow it. Like you do have to pay the price that he picks, knowing him, Corey's a very good, kind, integrity-driven person. It won't be crazy, but his time is valuable. And if he's going to share with you everything he knows, I think, Corey, that you should put together like a beta pilot program, then maybe even five people do it together and you walk them through it to kind of just like, they'd all be very understanding to that you they're going to be co-creating this learning experience with you. So you could even figure out how is best to deliver this information. But I know that you don't know what the price is. I don't know if you were planning on just helping everyone for free, but uh, no. (laughs) Yeah, at this point, not. I'm actually thinking about maybe doing um, like a landing page with some free stuff just to like, you know, someone starting out, here's some tools, here's kind of what they do for you and give some background on that. But basic stuff, but any of the the juicy stuff's definitely like kind of kind of closed off but um yeah group thing would be cool maybe like a a meetup event or something like that too like online would be uh interesting yeah like i'm thinking like you do like some sort of as simple as like zoom sessions or even google meet whatever record those sessions it's maybe five five to 10 people. You charge X, whatever you think is the right fit for a beta pilot program. And you informally walk everybody intimately through your Amazon process, how you've been growing your Amazon business, how they get set up. You make note of the things that are really useful to people. Like for example, the element that really blew me away when I used to do my podcasting cohorts was I created a formula called the triangle of purpose. I didn't think much of it. I created it several years ago. I use it for myself to make it a really short thing. It's the purpose for you, the purpose for your guest, and the purpose for the listener. And when I did my cohort, people were blown like TF away (laughs) by the triangle purpose. It was like their favorite thing out of everything. They said it was life-changing. I'm like, what? what? Like I had, like, it's crazy. So much so Corey 
this is going to be a little scandalous, that someone in my cohort, someone I suspected, I, I questioned their integrity a little bit. And I think I was right because they stole my triangle purpose and they claimed it as their own and used it in all their marketing and in their agency and did not credit me. And I found it by accident. I did I did message them about it behind closed doors and they admitted that they did that. But yeah, that's how powerful apparently my triangle purpose is that it is steel worthy. So yeah, you won't you won't know what is actually impactfully valuable until you go through the process. And so to have that beta group with everybody, I think would be a really high value way to go about things both for them and for you. And it would take the pressure off of you need, needing to be perfect or having it all figured out. And the reason I think you're the the best person to learn this from is like I said, because you're so close to what it is to be new and growing. And also that you're an integrity-driven, kind, good person. Because a lot of people in this world are just trying to do a cash grab or they, you know, there's just a lot of jokers. And so that you're actually a trustworthy person is value in itself. Yeah, I appreciate that. Dude, I'm excited. I hope people reach out to you to learn how to do this with you. I'm telling you, I think it is so valuable that you're trustworthy. More so than the information you have. I think it's just valuable that you're trustworthy and you're genuinely a good person. I'm telling you. I think that's 90% of the value of you sharing this information with other people. Yeah, I think the biggest thing I would say about this is that uh, I know there's a lot of people that have left like a full-time job um, just for the freedom that this gives. Like you could work on this literally wherever, especially if you're doing it online like I am where it's going to like a warehouse that you pay, you know, to hold your inventory before it goes into your Amazon to be uh, like fully removed from, you know, like a bottleneck of like receiving stuff yourself. So that, you know, you could be anywhere. If you have kids or something, you know, you could spend all day with your kids and work on your business, like, and not be in an office or something. I know a lot of people that love this because they get to spend time at home and there's definitely benefits of it. Like some of it is not only your revenue on your account, but if you start not financial advice, but if you start using credit cards and you know, you're paying it off on time, you can get a lot of like travel stuff. I've went on several trips now, just completely paid off by like a new credit card I opened and hit a offer they had on it and it paid for a trip like completely. They're like cash back. There's a lot of extra things that you can kind of play to your advantage along with your store. That should be part of what you teach people is how not just to have an Amazon store, but how to travel on the credit card offers to your like faux travel hacker Amazon. So I'm telling you, it's so exciting. I know that we both have to go. I'm telling you in my head, I already like want to learn how you do this. Like I want to be part of your beta program (laughs) of learning how to do this. It's so exciting. We both will see everyone in the next episode. I'll see you later, dude. Thank you. Yep, for sure. Bye. Bye. The We Are LA Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by... 
Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. Music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The We Are LA Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener at wearelatech.love. Linked in the show notes.